bumpy rides in our sleeping bags down our long stairway and run wildly through the house, all of which probably made it harder to notice my clumsiness, though I was always the one tripping over things, banging into them, getting hurt. Being the only girl of the three of us, I shook it off, determined to be as tough as my brothers were. Even though Daniel and I were twins, while Peter was three years older, I always felt like the youngest, trailing after Daniel. Brilliant, athletic, beautiful Dan, already the superstar of everything, determined to try to keep up. In ballet, too, I was the clumsy one, awkward and off-kilter. In my pink tights and tight bun that I brushed incessantly to keep smooth, I was so eager to be graceful. But no matter how hard I tried, I could never maintain my balance while holding my positions, or float across the floor like the other girls. My stern, ramrod-straight instructor scolded, Rebecca, so often that I began to sneak out of class, hiding in the dressing room and eating my snack of goldfish crackers in an attempt to avoid further humiliation. There were other signs, too, like the way I would turn my head sideways to watch TV, cocking my left ear toward it while looking out of the corners of my eyes, or the way I seemed to tune out sometimes, especially when I sat in the back of the classroom, leading my teachers to refer to me as a dreamer, which even then I knew was code for not paying attention. But none of this was out of the ordinary enough to catch anyone's attention in our busy, noisy household. Really, though, it goes back so much further than my childhood. Long before Daniel and I floated safely together inside my mother, a yin-yang of boy and girl curled against one another, when no one could have imagined the terrible and wonderful things growing inside of each of us. Back to Eastern Europe, most likely Kiev, where both of my parents had ancestors. Their numbers shrunk from countless pogroms, cousins would marry, and carry with them a single mutated gene that ended up here, inside of me, invisible, until at twelve I started having trouble seeing the blackboard. Although our house was a loud one, with rarely a silent moment, as a younger child I remember it as mostly joyful noise, laughing, talking, and lots of singing. We each tried our best to be more clever than the next, knowing that it pleased our parents, rapid-fire jokes and witty retorts tossed back and forth. My mother had at one time sung professionally, and we would often crowd around her at the piano, belting out show tunes as dramatically as if we were on Broadway, until she would stand up and lead us singing and dancing up the stairs to do our homework. Quiet felt so strange to me that I used to feel uncomfortable when I was alone, turning on the television or music for noise, much happier and better able to relax with plenty going on around me. So different from now, when silence often feels like my salvation. That all changed when I was ten, a couple of years before we started to notice my vision problems, when a new noise started creeping around our house. At first it was barely noticeable, angry whispers through gritted teeth. Eventually my parents' fights grew louder, Screaming matches where my brothers and I would race in, pleading for them to stop or trying to entertain them, anything to make it go away. By the time they started to notice something was wrong with me, they were already separated, caught in that hazy, trying-to-work-it-out phase, which we could all tell wasn't working.
My dad had taken me to the optometrist after I told him that I was having trouble seeing the blackboard at school, assuming that I needed glasses. The doctor had frowned through much of the exam, a look I've gotten to know well over the years, and at the end of the appointment told my dad that he had seen something in the back of my eye that needed to be examined more thoroughly, but he didn't have the equipment or the expertise to properly evaluate it. So we were referred to an ophthalmologist, and then another one and another. We went to see specialists at the University of California, San Francisco, and Stanford, and eye charts were replaced with increasingly complex equipment and tests, one of which required me to have hard lenses with wires coming out of them attached to my eyeballs, while another had me staring at bright flashing lights as long as I could without blinking. I kept thinking, all this just to get glasses? Each time I waited for the doctor to come out with a smile...